Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Web3 with me. It is our mission here to educate, and we realize that some basics of Web3, like WTF is a digital wallet, might be helpful for you to know. We will be releasing a series of short videos on YouTube and Reels to help cover these high-level topics. We hope they're useful for us, and feel free to leave us feedback. My guest today is Diana Richter, Head of Marketing and Brand at Consensus Mesh. It's the original organization created to proliferate Ethereum and the broader blockchain ecosystem. Diana takes us through her 15-year career as a marketer and the experiences building partnerships and communities that landed her in Web3. We get a masterclass on the current state of Web3 marketing and the importance of the balance between maxis and mass adoption. LFG, baby. Let's start vibing. Welcome to the show, Diana. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I've been excited about this conversation since the first time we spoke, I have to admit. I feel like you say that to everyone, but I'll believe you. <laughs> I have different. Okay. Good call out. One, I am excited about every conversation I have. Two, I, I have different reasons for being excited. Uh, lately, a lot of my excitement has come from meeting so many people in Atlanta. Mm. Um, but I also get to host certain guests like yourself that are experts in the field that I feel like Web3 needs to focus on the most, which is marketing. Amen. Atlanta yeah. is a very interesting um, hub right now, but anyway, I won't derail us. Yeah, no, we, I'm happy to talk about Atlanta all you want. The uh, It is it's growing and there's a lot of tech talent here uh, and it's cheaper for you and other companies to hire people here. Um, yes. So I've been a part of two different San Francisco based software companies uh, that have built their second offices in Atlanta. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I usually start these podcasts is I like to hear a little bit about your founding story and what makes Diana, Diana. So start wherever you'd like. Oh dear. I should practice this. Uh, but alas, I have not. So apologies in advance for the ramble. Let's see, what makes Diana Diana? Uh, she is a born and raised New Yorker. If you can't hear it in my voice and with my general demeanor, uh, especially I just moved to London and uh, I get everyone is constantly like, you are such a New Yorker. You sound like you're on the nanny. Uh, I'm like, okay. Do they call you a Yankee too? Oh yeah, but that's okay. Cause you know, mega number one Yankees fan over here. So that that's what makes Diana Diana. Anyway, born and raised in New York. Um, but 
uh, grew up kind of all over the world. And I think that is important in terms of what makes me me because uh, it influences why I'm interested in Web3 and crypto broadly. Um, I have family in Latin America. Uh, I have a cousin who's actually working um, on a Bitcoin wallet. Um, so, you know, it's at blockchain applications are very, very important um, for uh, people who live in economies that uh, might not be as stable as, you know, New York City and the US. So anyway, uh, that's where I came from. I got my start from in my career in entertainment. I worked at William Morris, which is one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. Um, and when I was working there, I was really focused on uh, the branded lifestyle team, which was the department that was building basically all of the lifestyle talent that you see on TV. So anyone on the Food Network, Warning TV, a lot of fashion talent, um, for anyone who is a, a Food Network junkie, which I definitely was in 2010. Um, and what is really interesting about that now is that our focus was on partnerships. You know, you were building communities for lifestyle talent. Why is Ina Garden who, or Ina Garden who Ina Garden is, Bobby Flay, um, Guy Fieri, like all of these people have super engaged fan communities and have been able to manifest that across um, a variety of different uh, verticals. So that got me interested in marketing and, and partnerships as a key tentpole of any marketing strategy. Got my MBA, which I know we don't like to talk about in Web3, so don't judge me for it, but I did it as a way to get out of entertainment and go, <laughs> go into, into marketing. And then I got the, bitten by the startup bug, and I was working at direct-to-consumer brands in kind of that heyday, so like 2014 to 2019. Um, or 2020, uh, they were all high growth, venture backed. I was leading the brand marketing strategy, which was influencers, events, content, um, and and partnerships. Um, and I rage quit one day. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I rage quit. Nice, one. nice Dow term, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, but I think that term actually started at like law firms. I think it's like a Did big it, really? law term. I yeah, or like <laughs> finance. It's for people who like just were like, I literally can't take this anymore and like throw a stapler at their boss for the mistreatment and, you know, 100 plus hour weeks. But anyway, um, I was apparently that's it. programmable though, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that Dow's programmed the rage quitters in. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was, um, anyway, so, so I, mine was not programmed. It was very much analog and, uh, IRL, but I quit and then was consulting for a while, uh, building also like partnership based brand marketing programs. Uh, I was working at Lyft. Uh, was working in the healthcare space during COVID, which was uh, really interesting, um, in beauty and beverage all over the place. And then uh, not thinking about crypto at all. I think like many new marketers to the space, um, I had thought about uh, mining Bitcoin in like 2009, thanks to an ex-boyfriend and obviously never did it. Uh, so uh then suddenly i have a friend being like hey do you know anything about nfts 
And I was like, what the hell is an NFT? Um, and that became my rabbit hole deep dive into blockchain, Ethereum, DAOs, rage quitting was all via via NFTs. And, and next thing you know, I'm uh, running marketing for a little company called Consensus Mesh that I didn't realize had such an incredibly rich history um, before I before I got there. So now now I'm like, oh, shit, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. What an honor to to be a part of like, this company and work with these people. So now I pinch myself. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. What a great story. The uh, I want to dive deep into your journey as a brand marketer into running into Web3. And I love that you highlighted the importance of partnerships while at William Morris, because I think a lot of the strategy for many of these Web3 companies and brands is around partnerships, right? Uh, a lot of them are starting to realize that to be a, especially NFT projects, like a self-sustainable brand, like you can't just keep producing NFTs and rely on royalties. So the way that they're kind of breaking into the space is with these partnerships. So if you, I would love to hear that evolution of your thinking, you know, what, what kind of mental models or frameworks were you developing as you were working at these various brands, uh, then how that applies to web three and then go into the partnership stuff. too. Totally. Um, so I'll give an example. When I worked at Eloquy, uh, which was a plus size fast fashion brand, uh, we ended up selling to Walmart, but it's still very much alive and strong and in business. Uh, we were really focused on partnerships as a way to do three things. Uh, and those were the buckets that we were prioritizing for. One was credibility and trust, which you know, I think is is accurate for absolutely every single partnership, especially in with NFT communities. Um, the other was driving adoption and customer acquisition, and the third was revenue. And it was as simple as that. And I actually can't think of if I were an NFT project, I'm kind of like, I think those are the three buckets that I would look for in a partnership. I think those exist across any vertical, any any space. Um, and ideally every partnership we went after hit all three of those buckets. So the biggest one that I was really proud of was a, a collaboration that we did with Reese Witherspoon's fashion line called Draper James, uh, which at the time was don't know if they're still around. I think they are. I think they're still around. But when uh, the, the brand was in its early days um, and was uh, uh, a brand that was focused on uh, reaching like a very Southern audience, uh, at Eloquy, we knew that we weren't reaching that customer in the way we believed we should be. Um, we knew that celebrities were the best way for us to scale our business efficiently. Like anytime a celebrity wore us, we grew tenfold and, and grew, you know, could mean a variety of things. It was like either our social media would be on fire, our website visits, like our site would crash, um, or we'd actually see like a real measurable growth in, in actual revenue, which at the end of the day was the most important thing. Um, but of course we trusted that we could convert, you know, customers who were coming to our site down the line. Um, so anyway, so, so 
we um so we knew we wanted to work with a celebrity we knew we wanted to hit the the, the southern demographic um and we knew that we couldn't afford to do so uh with our very very limited marketing budget so by working with draper james we also knew that they weren't reaching our customer which was a plus size customer because they didn't have the existing R&D and the resources to develop clothing for her. Um, so there was a win-win on both sides where uh, they wanted us, we wanted them, we were able to grow together. And suddenly we got, you know, like, you know, hundreds of millions of impressions of full spread in uh, People Magazine and a bunch of other print magazines, which at the time was a really, really big deal for a company like Eloquy. Um, and we got that without having to spend, you know, $5 million on a celebrity endorsement. So that example, I think is very uh, true to like a 2015 D2C brand. <laughs> like, how does that change for Web3? It totally depends on like the audience that you're trying to reach and where they are operating. And I think the, and we can, I feel like we talked about this when we first spoke, but I think what's missing across like the web three marketing landscape is a willingness to acknowledge that like not everyone has to be your audience. I think actually NFT projects are doing it the best where they're like actually very much like we're leaning into this demo. This is our profile. You know, it's a skater boy or it's a gamer or it's whatever it is. But, um, you don't need to convince everyone to kind of adopt blockchain, adopt crypto, adopt NFTs, um, or, or you can kind of do so in, in a way that makes sense for them. Um, but I think because, sorry, and I'm totally like going off on a, on a total tangent here, but I think because we're in like such a state of like trying to incentivize mass adoption at large, we like can't, uh, we lose that balance between like focusing on the audience and also recognizing the enormity of the task we have at hand. So I just took us like eight miles. No, ahead. I mean, it's, it's listen, I, I want, I want to take your, your three pronged approach and apply it to some brands. I think that would be a lot of fun, but love it. you, your tangent tangents are the best. First of all, let's embrace the tangents. I love tangents. Um, that's <laughs> honestly where the best, sound bites come from it's where the best insights come from because it's free flow it's nothing that's prepared um but in this in the same light frameworks are helpful too so i guess in that sense when you look at an nft project what do you see as a brand marketer let's uh, you can pick one if you want or you can talk about it generally but like what do you see on the pro side, what do you see on the con side? What what are what are they doing well? What are they missing? Yeah, I mean it's it's like so specific to every NFT project. And like, you know, what's an NFT project gonna be in five years? Like, are we gonna be even talking about it this way? I don't I don't know. Um I, I and also Mesh as as an investor and an incubator and accelerator and kind of general champion of Web3, um, we're super focused on DAOs. So I came into this space with a remit of developing an NFT project, but that was quickly abandoned 
um, within a month and a half. Uh, and so I'm not like, I'll be totally honest, I'm not in, in it day in, day out, but I think the two projects that continue to really impress me, uh, the first is Art Blocks. I mean, what what Eric uh, at Snowfro has created with what was first his generative NFT project, uh, and you know now is a blue chip uh, NFT that that all major collectors have. They have through partnerships, really, um, evolved into. Uh, a really interesting brand so much so that like Ian Rogers is all from, from Ledger who's, I forget his title, but you know, he was um, at LVMH for a long time and highly recommend people check out podcasts that he's been in. I think he was on the proof podcast once and it was, it was pretty good. Um, but you know, at every Ledger open, he's wearing like his squiggle elder statesman cashmere sweater. Like, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> I want an elder statesman squiggle cashmere sweater really, really badly. I mean, um, you'd go uh, well yeah. with the uh, Carhartt. I know. <laughs> this should be a squiggle. If I had a squiggle, but I should have bought it and I didn't buy it. Anyway. Is that um, – are you are you uh, foreshadowing about a potential brand partnership? <laughs> oh, my God. I wish. God, Eric, answer my emails. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Oh, but Carhartt squiggle would be, would be really cool. But what I think is great about, about – Art blocks, like they just had a big event down in Marfa, which is kind of like, I, I wasn't able to go, but it's become such a hub for their community. Um, but I think they've done a really good job of maintaining uh, reputation, which is always the risk with partnerships, you know, like, oh, you want scale, you want to grow your audience, you want uh, someone like, you know, with huge influence talking about you but you also need to protect need to protect your brand if that's a priority. Not everything needs to protect their brand, but something like art blocks and squiggles definitely do because it's a blue chip NFT collection. And the artists that are minting on the art blocks platform are um, all you know really brilliant um, established and up and coming artists. So uh, it, there's a, an expectation there among that community. Um, but I think that they've been able to, like, they've worked with Samsung and I think they announced another partnership recently and I, I can't, I don't know exactly with who, but, um, it's, you know, I think their, their approach has been very cautious. Um, and then I'd say the other one that I, I don't think any, this is not, uh, you know, groundbreaking here and everyone would agree, but like doodles is knocking it out of the park in terms of partnering with uh, brands that are not competitive, that are really synergistic and helping Doodle scale as an IP project. So uh, the, the project they did that really stood out was their activation at South by last year. I don't, were you at South by? I was not there, but I yeah. heard about it continuously sure. yeah. about how, the experience facilitated the brand identity. 
of, yeah. you know, just being happy and having fun and this whole other world of bright colors. Like it just, it, and, and South by is not even a web three conference, right? I mean, well, it's a, what isn't a web three conference. conference right now? Everything is a web three conference. <laughs> Wherever but, the crypto bros can find. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know who paid for that? Shopify paid for that activation. And really? that it's less brilliance on doodles Shopify, and then they have the Bear, the Bear Paint, B-E-H-R uh, partnership there as well. But on the Shopify team, bravo on them. You know, if I Alex was working Danko. at Shopify, yeah, I think that's genius. <laughs> um, they're trying to build, uh, grow their Web3 presence. You know, they want to have, uh, be able to, to have their um, vendors transact using Shopify for NFTs. I mean, they're investing in Web3 projects. Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So just a quick aside, my first ever piece of physical art <laughs> that I created was a mixed media piece that was dedicated to Toby Luca. <laughs> no way. Where is it now? Yeah. It's right next to me. <laughs> oh my god, this is why we can't have the background. I uh, know, I know. It would be so real if I could just take this camera and move it, but who knows if I could get it realigned and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll drop a it, I'll drop Adam? a link. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah, I'll drop a link to the tweet. Um, has he seen it? Uh he has. He retweeted it and responded. Thank Holy you. Holy shit. Uh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. I just I was looking for what inspired me and I'm a nerd and I like to learn <laughs> and learning about founders is like my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And he was my favorite founder and I just loved what he was doing. I loved the way he thought about things. And so I did this homage to him with different pieces that are dedicated to Ruby on rails and his German Canadian background and all this fun stuff and, and a Starcraft uh, stuff. So. I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> but anyways, Shop yeah. aside. Shopify talk about is, tangents. And I know, but Shopify is like such an amazing, that, that's also just an example. I mean, tangent, but like not all web two is bad. Like, you know, big fan, no, big fan of, I mean, and obviously I think everyone acknowledges that there's so much in web web two that we need to keep. And um, I look forward to seeing Shopify continue to like participate in, in web three. I think they're, they're going to do a really great job. When I teach web three, I show the, the picture of Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. And Chris Rock is Web 2. Uh, Will Smith is Web 3. Chris Rock got up and he was fine. Yeah. And he's going to survive <laughs> and he's going he's gonna to do well in, in whatever he is doing. Web 2 is the same thing. This is yeah. not, Web 3 does not get rid of Web 2. Totally. I think it only improves it, right? Yeah. It's a next iteration, right? Just yeah. as Web 2 didn't get rid of Web 1, there's still plenty of static web pages out there. I don't know totally. how many I look at, but they're there. <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> totally. So yeah, yeah I it, mean it, that that relationship is a lot less adversarial than you may believe if you were on Twitter following a bunch of web3 maxis or bitcoin yeah. maxis or decentralist maxis. Um, in fact, the whole point of the show as you could probably tell uh, from our pre-recording conversation and the conversation now is I take a practical approach to this yeah. whole thing. I want to shine light on what actually works because I believe the technology will change the world. 
right? And I, I don't know how yet, or I don't know exactly how yet, but I do know that it realigns incentives in a unique way that creates a democratization of decision-making and opportunity that I hope gets highlighted ultimately in the future, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and you look at that yeah. doodles pop up as an example of like how many people were waiting in line to go into that with, who had no idea that doodles was an NFT project because South they didn't have is, digital wallet. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they don't really care. Um, and, and that benefits doodle holders down the line, but it doesn't, not everyone needs to have a doodle NFT for, you know, the, the project and the IP that they create to be, to be really valuable. Um, well, that Let's double click on that. Yeah. I mean, you said, what is, what are NFT projects in the future? What is that, right? What What is that interaction with a brand that, I mean, produces only digital assets, as far as I know so far, I'm sure they've had some merch or something like that, that they've yeah. co-branded. Like, what what is that five years from now? <laughs> I don't know, I'm gonna be a, be a billionaire. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because when I think about that now, like my mind goes to what I've already seen, right? Like I, I go to, it's an expansion of the IP in a, across media, right? Like it's some kind of content and entertainment and um various i mean if you if you like abstract that it's creating enjoyable moments and like emotional connections with fans and and the audience that is excited about doodle and their doodle and what changes now and how NFTs and the doodle and ownership of like these digital assets will change what could have existed five years ago is like the alignment among the community, the shared incentives, the shared ownership, the um, you know greater democratization of of the IP that's created, and and so I don't know how like. You know, as as we spoke about also in our pre-call, it's like, it's like uh, these. Not everyone is good at everything. Like, I don't want, I don't want everyone to like be writing a script or like deciding what character gets killed off. I haven't seen White Lotus season two, but like, I only I want won't Mike, spoil it. Yeah, it's awesome, I only though. want Mike White to write White Lotus season three. Like, I don't have an opinion and I want to be wrong. So, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, but I also want to have my support and maybe my kind of evangelism of a project uh, give me rewards in a way that are, are more meaningful than they have been. So that's all Real very utility. abstract, but yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've had interesting conversations with people because I, like I studied art history. I was a fine art and like art theory major. 
So that the, my college days were like nerding out on like post-war German conceptual art and applying it to like Lacan and Freud and like all kinds of weird nonsense. And, and so thinking about NFTs as like fine art really upset me, you know? I was like, oh, let's not say NFT artists. These are just artists who are using, like should be using blockchain to like create things that they wouldn't be able to create otherwise. Um, and, but I, but it was interesting to, to have a conversation with a few people who I think are like way deeper connected to NFTs than I are, than I am. And they were like, why does it have to have a utility? Like, not, it just like, you can Could like, just start. Exactly. Exactly. Well, kind of the, like, I, I guess we should differentiate here. There's PFP <clears throat> projects, which yes. are meant to be an identity, right? Are meant to be your profile picture, right? Uh, and then there is art that, happens to be minted on the blockchain. Um, and, you know, there is differing opinions on what is art, what is not uh, in that sense. To me, I love what it, the, the, the value that it brings to the creative side of the world, right? Because everybody can now be an artist and possibly earn some money doing it, right? Now that also leads to a lot of really bad art. Yeah, but, I was gonna you know, say. there's 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 two sides, right? Um, But then on the other side, because the medium is so unique, it also allows you to create art that's never been possible before, which is, in my opinion, a mix of the visual and the performance art. Yeah. Yeah, the performance, that's really interesting. I think that's a, like, and this is when I get really nerdy, like the performance of the actual code like the writing of the code and then the process of minting your piece, that performance, you know, what you can The performance create. of the collector, yes, what they can yes. do with the art. Yes. Some allow their collectors to interact with the art pack, shout out, yeah. right? To, to, to write poetry. Yeah. Which shout out. It costs to a lot of project? money to get there. Wait, which project? Pack. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah Lost yeah. Poets. You know, yes, he meant yes. a beautiful story around it. You, you yes. could feed your poets pages. You could write yeah. poetry. Yeah. And look, I mean, you could argue with scale. Maybe it was a bit quick uh, in terms of scale. Maybe you didn't need to make $91 million off of it in 70 minutes. But, right. you know, it's, <laughs> it is. I wouldn't have said It no. is the act. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, let's right? not pretend um, like I would be so, um, you know. Ugh, uh, I want to make less. Heroic, exactly. <laughs> like you can't, you can't blame all the opportunists that on them. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, I mean, I had a conversation earlier with a friend who had a who had a conversation with a very high level artist, and the artist was very explicit in the fact that he said, "I look at every opportunity as to how it will benefit me." Yeah, right. That doesn't mean that it's to the detriment of other people, but if it does not yeah. benefit me, then I don't do it, and I think that's okay. I don't share that mindset personally, but I think that's okay, and I think a lot of artists have that mindset. Yeah, it's a doggy dog world out there. It's it's interesting also when you say, you know, sure, this allows for a lot of artists to, or a lot of people to become artists and make money. I mean, I I think Society Six also kind of did that. Do you remember Society Six, like way back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, what what I really think is is also interesting oh, about 
what the technology and what NFTs and, and just like allowing for digital ownership have done is there's a, a project called EAT Works, which is coming out of Betaworks Incubation Lab. Um, and they have collaborated with these like OG, OG computer artists, people who were writing code and creating generative art in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And like, you know, I met one artist who actually built that department, which who knew that computer arts was even a department at the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. And those artists, I think are fine. They're still not really getting their moment because they're not on Twitter. You know, they're not necessarily producing work that is what is of the moment. Um, but the amount, like, the, as we, as consumers and collectors and 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 uh, uh, individuals, become more educated on like how difficult it is to actually produce that. You know, we all think that we can create our NFT project. We have greater appreciation for what these original artists created. Um, and they can use NFTs uh, to finally have some of their work have, you know, value outside of a museum collection or a school collection, which would have been like buying a, an actual physical hardware or a floppy disk. Like, I can't, I just can't imagine, you know, what a computer artist in the 70s, how did they have any kind of collector? Um, so it'll be interesting. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, I know exactly. That's why they like literally only. They might have been the animators. Games. Yeah, they might have yeah. like a lot. A lot of the artists that I know in the space, that's where they were before this. They were either animating yeah. for corporate brands, or they were animating for shows, yeah. um, or they were pitching their own shows. Yeah. Um, and this just gave them the autonomy to not be at the behest of of one person, but rather the whole market. Yeah. Well, this was fun. I like that little art tangent that we took. <laughs> um, let's let's get back to marketing. I gotta I gotta just pick everything out of your brain in terms of marketing. So, you you've got kind of a framework that you work with. You're working at multiple brands, running their brand marketing. Then you fall into this mesh, this consensus mesh opportunity. What was your mindset going into it? Why did you consider it? What 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 has been your insights after I saw your post? Now it's been almost a year, right? Um, a year and a half. So a year and a half. Wow. I yeah. I I started consulting um, April of 2021, full time June of 2021, and now uh, we're at de December of 2022, which is so wild. And I again, I'm so grateful. I love my team. I love working at this company. Um, I, so after I rage quit and, and started consulting, um, I mean, I was lucky to be able to say, I'm going to take time to figure out what I want to do. And what I knew I didn't want to do was have to sell physical product. I didn't want, I think in the way that a lot of people who work in web three feel like we, I didn't want to feel this, uh, accountability to um shills well I, actually everyone's trying to show their now you're starting their to NFT see the project. alignment <laughs> I know. Oh, well fortunately i don't have to do that at mesh so maybe that's why the mesh opportunity really worked for me but um 
I was exhausted by the fact that I felt like in order to, um, and I'm being super frank about this, but in order to kind of hit uh, the VC expectations of the time and of like that moment in direct-to-consumer brands, uh, it was all about top-line growth and and that w- could be really brand dilutive. Um, and I didn't want to have to sell things to people that I felt like already had a lot of stuff. Um, I just didn't, I, I wanted to contribute. Um, and I thought I was going to contribute in the travel space. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, yeah, sure, grew up in New York, but all over the world and have always considered myself very much a global citizen, just moved to London personally. Um, and so I wanted to work for Airbnb or a company that was kind of encouraging awareness and education across uh, uh, countries and languages and cultures. Um, COVID hit, that became nearly impossible. Um, uh, And I still kind of stuck to my guns in that I wanted to work somewhere that was actually going to be doing something like really new and different and hard where intellectually I would be so far out of my league. Um, and there was not this kind of, the the driving metric wasn't weekly or daily revenue. Um, though at the end of the, I mean, you could argue that revenue, you know, Powers Indirectly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we need returns. Yeah. Returns may, may be calculated in a longer time, but yeah. Like, and like, how do we returns? say, yeah. And how do we saying like Ethereum is, you know, so successful based on like total uh, assets, you know, to on, on the chain and et cetera. So uh, it's, it's always there. Um, money is everything, but anyway, but so when this opportunity um, was, was presented to me, uh, I was lucky in that I was able to consult with with Mesh for a month. So I was working on this NFT project and it gave us a time to get to know each other. Um, and it was a very kind of reverse reversed way of learning about blockchain because I was only focused on learning about NFTs. And, and, and at that point, it's like March, April, 2021. So it's like all about top shots, all about like dapper, dapper, dapper. Um, and, and punks and apes and, um, and yeah, I mean, the heyday of kind of the PFP. Um, but I, but I didn't know anything about DAOs and I didn't know anything about identity and I didn't know anything about like Bitcoin versus Ethereum and permissioned versus public blockchains and, you know, uh, uh, zero knowledge proofs and everything now that like I've had exposure to. Um, but it was still very obvious that if I were to work at Mesh, I'd be working with uh, a group of hundreds of builders who all wanted to create something new and 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 create like better tools and applications and and protocols that would make people's lives easier. Um, and that was what was interesting for me. And also, you know, this is another like, when I, when I think about marketers, you know, their marketing is like a catch-all, especially in crypto, I think, you know, because you have a lot of people hiring for marketing who 
are not, haven't necessarily worked with marketing teams before, like don't necessarily understand how to structure a marketing team, how to budget for marketing, how, how to prioritize, like, you know, where to, um, uh, to, to put your time and resources and efforts based on what your goals are as a, as a company. Um, but I'm not a performance marketer. I'm not a digital marketer. I am a, a brand marketer. I'm focused on partnerships and I'm focused on uh, uh, connecting with the community. So for me, the fact that I get to work with now hundreds of founders to try to problem solve for them and recognize that like, I actually don't know anything about what, I know a little bit about like how you should approach your uh, you know, performance marketing strategy. But what I can tell you is that I'll put you in touch with someone who will be a lot better than I will be at helping you um, and 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 helping launch, you know, your your product. Um, but I love creating those or having those conversations. And then I think about, okay, Mesh has this network. We have 190 positions or 170 positions and, and a, a wide token portfolio as well. Um, what are the connection points and the partnerships across our portfolio? Like the most powerful thing at Mesh is the Mesh network. So when I actually now, like my job as a marketer um, is to, to, to help build that network and like the partnerships are internal. So that's, so that's what uh, attracted me to, to working there and why I still love to, to be there. Um, yeah. I feel like the puns are free flowing when you're building that <laughs> mesh networks, <laughs> trying to connect I everybody. <laughs> the, I know the mesh. I, I will say like we did a rebrand this year because we never really had a brand um, and we needed to differentiate between our uh, portfolio company consensus software. So we worked mm -hmm. with this incredible agency out of the UK that I guess I'll, I don't want everyone in three to start working with them, but they're called Studio Lowry and they're really fantastic. And I found them because they had done a, the Sundance rebrand and they had not had a Web3 project before us, um, which was important to me uh, because I do think, you know, a lot of Web3 projects were, they didn't look bad, but kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. Tunnel vision. Exactly. Um, uh, and looked great, but they all look the same. Uh, so yeah, we wanted to, to feel different, but also in line with our audience. Um, but when we went through the, the rebrand, um, the one thing we weren't going to change was our name mesh because that is such like, it is, it's, it's perfect. Like we are, we're messy, we're meshy. Um, like that is totally accurate. And Joe Lubin, our founder. Messy. Yeah, we have we have a pin design for that. Uh, that has yet to be made. I'll expect a sticker in the mail. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. Computer. That's our holiday gift um, to all partners. <laughs> Get meshy with us. Actually, that would be a great <laughs> holiday party invite. Like, yeah, let's get meshy. Yeah, you've been meshy before. Co-marketed with Web3 with me. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> done, done. Um, but yeah, we loved our, we loved that name so much. And Joe came up with that. So that was, you know, well before I joined um, internally at Consensus Software or at the original Consensus, which I'm happy to kind of talk about if, if you want to, if you want to get into that. But I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to get in the role of like Joe uh, eventually. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which which one? Cryptopians. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> um uh, yeah. Uh but well, so you know exactly the the old old consensus. Um internally they were always called mesh. It was always mesh. And it was meant to really? be a mesh. Yeah. Yeah. And so our rebrand could... was was trying to kind of communicate that. It started as a conference, no? No. No, oh, was it? Okay. Uh, I thought it started Consensus as a started Ethereal Summit, which was uh. the original um, Ethereum conference, because Consensus mm -hmm. was really built along with the Ethereum Foundation. You know, Consensus was built as um, a company that was meant to grow Ethereum to be the the number one decentralized blockchain in the world. Um, mm -hmm. And Joe was investing in every possible project that would uh, help drive adoption um, and mm -hmm. expansion of Ethereum. And uh, events were a big part of that. With and and we see that you know continued to be a huge part of any marketing strategy in Web three. I mean, it's fascinating. I feel like my day in day out, it's like I love partnerships, but it's really content and events that drive marketing. Um, for, for me and for so many of our portfolio companies, which is so exhausting. Um, and obviously it's it yeah, is. discord and like telegram and all that stuff. Um, but, but yeah, ethereal summit was kind of the first of its kind where everyone kind of gathered and talked about Ethereum. And it was this, I never got to go to the original ones cause I didn't know about the space, but it was apparently the, and did you ever go to one? No. Oh yeah, there were like as well. yeah. weird, weird groups of like total, you know, uh, idealists, like hippie burners with like the um, McKinsey the consultants. Yeah, and everyone was like there in the same place, and that was also what like consensus was like in Bushwick and this like loft style building. Um, that, now, that very much matches the the book and the explanation oh, of yeah. the original headquarters in Switzerland. I can't remember what they called it, the the something. Uh, yeah. But it's yeah, that was and and we're seeing remnants of that now, in my opinion. Like you still see the kind of maximalist, let's take down the institutions kind of mindset. Um, you know, and and there's it's. I think it's good to be a bit idealistic, but I also think that there's a reason it's called being idealistic is that like yeah. the, you know, the fact that you think like the institutions are just going to go away or but too idealistic. Right? right. I mean, there's a reason they've been around for, for as long as they've been around. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's what, I mean, I think that's, what's great about web three though. Like just like the internet, just like web two, web one, any, any new tool, there's room for everyone. Again, like yeah. know your audience. You don't need to speak to the the burners or like the you know uh, the the extremists. Um, but you also can if you want to. And you you were in a DevCon right in in Bogota in Colombia. I mean that no. is it was Jealous. incredible because there was a lot of that right like. I, in a way that I, I'm such a skeptic. Um, and I, in that I like to, and I think we spoke about this 
originally, and I talked to a lot of people about this, like especially for web two marketers coming into web three, like that is what's so valuable. Like bring your skepticism, bring the questioning, bring the like, hold on a second guys, like this is actually the way the world works. And like, it's worked this way for thousands of years. Like humans are humans, we cannot deny our nature. Um, mm -hmm. And God knows I'm not an expert at all on that. But I do think what's core to marketing is just understanding what makes people tick and what's going to drive their emotional connection, their adoption, whatever it might be. But at DevCon, I was like in these situations that I was so kind of like, you know, this isn't me. Like I'm not, I'm not this total identity idealist. crisis. Yeah. But I loved it because there was just this warmth and openness and willingness to listen um, to, to everyone who had something to say and have collaborative conversations. And I think that's frankly, because we're still early, you know, yeah, like, no, we're, I mean, if, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the uh, nature of the technology leads to a democratization of decision-making of identity and all of that, which I think has created the culture of, of openness. Um, but just like any movement without the maximalists, this didn't go anywhere. Right. So yes, there are still lots of people that subscribe to that. And, uh, it depends on what you're fighting for, right? Are you fighting for, uh, decentralization of everything? Or are you fighting for mass adoption of the technology? Because those two don't always go together, right? There's got to be trade-offs on either side. And that that's the area where I'm focused. That is my brand, right? Is I want to find that in between because I do believe in a lot of those concepts, but I also am a pragmatist. Yeah. And I understand that not everybody does. Right. Not everybody wants to download a digital wallet and have autonomy and, and do all this stuff. So a lot of people just prefer for someone else to handle it. And that's okay. Yeah, it doesn't make their life easier. They're not going to spend an right? hour and a half figuring out how to do this because they need to spend an hour and a half watching the Great British Baking Show, which is totally okay. Damn right. Like, people can prioritize <laughs> however they want to prioritize. The season wasn't great. Anyway, that's my hot take. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm, I think that I'm with you. 100% like I I I want to create better institutions like that is why I'm here. I want to have it be easier for me to send money to even between the UK and and the US, right? Like I just moved to the UK and you know how many bank accounts I had to go through to get money to the friend whose apartment I'm renting? It was like four. And that's insane. It would have been like that if Boom. we had and just. It could have been USDC. Metamask. Yeah. Right. Which is in, it, it crazy. I actually should have told her. I should have been like, hey, do we really need to use Revolut? Like, let's <laughs> use something else. But, but, um, so we're all there for that. But that doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, it, it, effectiveness doesn't need to be, uh, full decentralization there. Yeah, there is absolutely a, a happy medium. And, and at the end of the day, it's going to be all of us, like the maxis, the, the non maxis, the early adopters, and also the people who like, to your point, don't care at all. 
who are going to drive how this ends up rolling out. And guess what? And, Those are the people that drive no. money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. like it. They're they're going to be the people that I go to dot swoosh. They're going to be yeah. the people that buy Porsche NFTs. They're yeah. going to be the people that you know are are buying these various NFTs, digital collectibles, passport stamps from from Starbucks, right? Yeah. Like they may not care to ever trade one of those things, totally. but I think one of the keys, and I I stole this from Roham over at Flow, mm. is to abstract away the technology, but give the people the ability to pull back the layers if they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, totally agree. I wish I didn't agree because it would be more interesting. I think, I don't even <laughs> think they're like, I'd be curious to see what happens with the Starbucks thing. I mean, Polygon is doing an incredible job. So is Nike, you know, so are all of these, these big, brands. I mean, they have the budget, they have the resources. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to see in two years, if the consumer is even like how much they're actively going out and purchasing versus it just kind of comes to them. People are lazy. You know, it comes to them. And yes, I agree, like they're able to dig deeper should they choose to. And what percentage of people will actually choose to who knows, but they should have the option to and the ability to. Um, and I think that's what's so interesting around identity also, right? It's like, it's like, no, a lot of people don't care that they're able to, that Facebook has everything about them. Like that's not something that people are demanding be changed because it's easy to just integrate. But those of us, in this situation who are demanding it be changed um should have the option to you know to make those changes um i think yeah. there's just a better way to do it right yeah. i mean it's not it's not like look facebook probably did the best that they knew how with what they had at that yeah. that moment yeah. in time which some may argue against that i'm sure um but now there's a way to build a in my opinion, truer identity of someone other than their personal information sold across platforms, listening to what they say, looking like seeing what they do, right? Like blockchain provides you with a transactional piece of data, which I like to call intent data, right? That marketers, I feel like treasure, right? Like the most important piece of data you can have on someone is what they actually do. Not yeah. what they clicked on, not what they scrolled through when they were doom scrolling late one night, right? Like it is, what are the actions you're taking? And that's what the blockchain records. Now, is that everything? I don't think so. But if you are able to leverage that data, which not a lot of people are right now, which is kind of funny because it's, you know, so transparent and everything. Um, I think that builds a better identity of someone as a person. And then if they can find a way to integrate it into your work experience, I also think that builds a better idea of how you might help other brands, right? If you go there. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. I don't know. I mean, it is super valuable. What are people, what are people actually doing? Sure. Like money where the mouth is, but real brilliant, marketing gets to people before they do anything, right? 
or you you want to be there before they actually decide to this is from a you know a purchasing uh, uh, perspective, but before the couple is engaged, before they decide to buy the stroller, before they decide to buy the house, why are you the person that they're going to go to to borrow for um, their mortgage? Uh, so you can't miss that. That's really important. That's like the most important. Unlocking that is so hard. And I don't think, I mean, obviously like we're, that will always be a little bit intangible. Um, so there's just so different like, ways yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. There is spending a lot of money on ads and SEO so that you're just the brand they see. I think the most powerful way to do it is word of mouth, right? Are, are, your, are their friends already doing it? And in that right. sense, you could leverage the wallet that you've noticed have transferred some asset to yeah. another wallet and say that other wallet they transferred might be interested in this thing. That's true. Um, so it's like, you can, you know, it's like chicken and egg kind of, it's like, it's like you can leverage all the intent buying data to figure out what they're doing next, but also you do want to get to them before they buy the thing. Right. right. So. That's interesting though. Like wallet interact, wallet to wallet interactions. Because there are lots of startups I'm seeing that are like, oh, we can profile based on, you know, holdings in the wallet. What is, <laughs> you know, we can profile based on holdings in their wallet. We know who you are based on what NFT you have, blah, 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 blah. But like, if you're able to identify, you know, you know your community based on like the other wallets you're interacting with, that's hard because people have so many wallets, but then you can get rid of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We have like 20 years ahead of us. This is why I'm not we technical. Uh, I mean, thinking <laughs> a year in, in advance is really hard right now. I know. So who knows where we'll, well be. And for um, us, oh, yeah, like what are DAOs going to be? Like we're so focused on DAOs and how do, how do those help from a marketing perspective? You know, I don't know if you've had anyone – I mean, well, we were introduced through Brennan and Jump, which is a DAO, you know, and a community of marketers. Um, how are DAOs going to help uh, kind of change like the the traditional agency system? Will they? I don't know. Like the man has always been around. We'll see. Well, Diana, we're nearing the top of the hour. <laughs> and uh, I have my two traditional closing questions. Um, you know, the first one is, how do you describe Web3? Hey. <laughs> opportunity. I don't like saying ownership. It's opportunity. It's the wild, wild west in the best way. And I hope it will make uh, things easier and more accessible. That's it. It's I as simple that. as that. Sorry, that. that's not that. prolific. Um, but but that's why I'm here to make things more available um, and more efficient. And that efficiency could be like controlling your your identity, deciding what onion you want to peel back. Um, but uh, but I think that's that's what I'm working towards. Love that. Um, uh -uh. And then the, the last one's forward looking. 
Um, how, where do you see yourself in the space in the next six to 12 months? And where do you see yourself in the space in the next five to 10 years? Well, in 12 months, I will probably be sitting hopefully in an apartment that I finally love in London (laughs) near a park with greenery. Uh, and I hope I will be contributing in a really meaningful way to various DAOs. So, um, which is different than, you know, what I believe Web3 will, you know, it's it's like a building block to what Web3 will immediately offer. Um, but we are participating in a bunch of DAOs, Gitcoin being one of them, uh, most immediately that comes to mind. But I hope to be able to better navigate those DAOs and uh, actually add value. So that's that's a year, six months, a year, and then five years. Gosh, I want to figure out how to make money using Web3 tools uh, for the networking I do. At the end of the day, what I love to do are connect people, introduce people. It's all partnerships. Like that's who I am. That's what gives me joy. That's why I like working with founders. Um, I do that all just for free because I like to do it. You know, there's got to be a way. How do I like, you know, tag my my NFT? The what's Diana Dow that creates that community? I don't know. So that's that's what I want to figure out because I do want to make money. I'd like to have like a nice generative art collection. <laughs> Let's go art blocks. Watch out, yeah. new collector. No, please. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I have the that. greatest answers. I'm bad at this kind no. of stuff. No, <laughs> oh, no, your answers are great. They're authentic, right? Yeah. Um, they're not rehearsed, um, and no. you can you can feel I can feel the passion as much as you are uh, very much about looking at the other side of, of the space, um, you can tell you believe in it, which is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about like, just, you know, I can't, we can't, I don't know if you can, I can't read smart contracts. I can't see code and be like, I understand why this works, but I understand people. Um, and I see the people that I get to work with every day and that, that is uh, very inspiring, you know. Yeah, so exactly. Now. It's a it's a welcoming community. I yeah, exactly. Say. Well, it's been really nice chatting with you, Dave, Diana. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Web Three with me. If you enjoyed the show and want to help us grow, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore French underscore.